Come on, man. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 150 already. Things are going fast. Time is going fast. Just seems to go faster and faster. Yeah, the older I get every year, it seems um, never to slow down. <laughs> I'm sure you can all relate. Anyway, welcome to the Patriot Review. It is episode 150. We have a good show. I'm very excited to have Joe Allen on. Um, I'm a big fan of the War Room and Stephen K. Bannon, if you don't know, and uh, a fan of Joe's as well. I've seen him on there, and he, as you know, if you're watching, is an editor uh, in this whole topic of trans transhumanism, which um, you know we are going to we are going to explore today, right around the 9:15 hour, and um, uh, we're going to take a look at that. But first, we are going to go through our normal uh, routine here, and we're going to take a look at some of the stories that are happening. Um, not only in the U.S., but uh, around the globe. So one of the things coming out of Georgia now, you know, and there's a lot of bad blood uh, between uh, Georgia and uh, Donald Trump and specifically the governor. But um, here we have a top Republican from, from Georgia who accuses Trump of being, uh, compares him to being an axe murderer. Uh, Jeff Duncan, former lieutenant governor of Georgia, uh, who's affiliated with the Republican Party, so he's definitely a rhino, expressed strong personal disapproval of former President Donald Trump, drawing a comparison between Trump's ideals and those commonly associated with an individual engaged in violent acts, such as an axe murderer. Um, so he was on CNN, and he was talking about that, and it just never fa never fails to amaze me um, how spineless and weak the Republicans are, and you know the rhinos are 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 just embedded very deeply. And we, as a people, need to stand up and start demanding what uh, what we want from them. That's what they're elected for. Obviously, everybody knows that, and everybody's frustrated with that. But um, people piling on is not helping the situation. As a matter of fact, it's only I think galvanizing not only the base but the independent voters because they can see what's going on. So um, they like to try to to pretend that um, that we don't see what's going on, but we certainly do. And we have this Newsmax Newsmax host says Biden uh, damning Biden tape is coming. Uh, that will basically ruin his presidency, and I don't understand why it hasn't already been completely ruined and why the Republicans again. Are not doing more about it but uh, so Greg Kelly said this on the show Monday night there's an audio clip of Joe Biden coming uh, which he which is about to be made public and he predicts that it will derail his presidential bid uh, in 2024 and his whole pre his whole presidency which we all know he didn't win and uh, he, he teases a clip doesn't disclose the content there was another guy you may remember um, 
Jeffrey Bart, uh, Breitbart, who uh, made similar co comments about Obama, and then all of a sudden he uh, he unfortunately passed away. And um, you know, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but I don't put anything past the globalist these days. So uh, then there's this in New York: the Dems to sue schools that refuse to enroll illegals. Now this one. <laughs> this is New York, so it doesn't surprise me. But um, I, this may be w one of the reasons why they're bleeding citizens, don't you think? I mean, the the the, re the refusal to follow the Constitution in New York continues, and uh, the borders are wide open, as we all know, and there's more and more people coming in. Um, so then we go to another city that's in the same same category of disaster cities that are run by Democrats. And that is this one, uh, Chicago news crew robbed at gunpoint while reporting on robberies. Um, that one, you know, I kind of actually get a chuckle out of because, um, you know, no one hurt, but I'm, I'm just um, I'm just saying, hey, you know, you get what you pay for. You put these people in office and you have these strict gun control uh, bills and everything else where nobody can protect themselves. And this is the kind of nonsensical behavior that you're going to get. And finally, uh, we go to North Korea. So Kim Jong-un warns North Korea will soon equip its Navy with nuclear weapons, which uh, is just insane. And he's looking as dapper as usual, as you can see. So here we have China building islands with airstrips. We have North Korea, North Korea rattling their sabers and uh, China at the same time threatening Taiwan. So the world is a, an absolute mess around us. The United States is a mess, and our our president, um, our resident, is completely incompetent and unable to to do what it sh what should be done about it. So we definitely, you know, in my opinion, we need Trump back in office, and um, we are we are not going to back down over what our expectations are. And I've talked a lot about this declaration of freedom and accountability, and I'm going to share that more thoroughly with you. I'm going through the the grievances, if you will, the grievances portion of this document. And then I want to try to get some legislative backing for it at the federal level so so that um, our, our congressmen and women and our senators are forced to either show that they support the Declaration of Independence or they don't. So working on that behind the scenes, um, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be right back with Mr. Joe Allen. After we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I... Uh, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, even though I was still pretty sick. And I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we, Jessica and I had to spend a few moments just with Grace alone. And it was, it was just a horrific um, sight to come upon. It was the fact that her daughter Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off because it was still on. This was hope and prayers that 
somehow she wasn't really gone. And as soon as we did that, the color of Grace changed. And um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. Not one person stepped foot in that room. How can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace was worth more dead than alive. We don't just need food, we need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. Hi there, Joe. How are you today? Uh, just fine. How are you? Awesome. Are you are you um, joining me just audio? Uh, is this a video and audio show? Yeah, it is. Uh, if you want to, if you want to oh. hop on, that's great. If you want to hop on, that's great. If not, then um, yeah. No, I, I I'm sorry. I had uh, audio only on my my thing. Let me. Uh, it's I'm just in a dark cave. Let me uh, brighten it up a little bit. Alrighty, sure. So as as uh, Joe is doing that, I will just tell you briefly about Joe, and I'm sure that I'm sure that most people know Joe very well. As I said uh, at the top of the hour, with his um, being an author and with um, you know everything that uh, you've done on Steve Bannon show and and elsewhere. Um, I want to find your bio again here, but we have. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and what we're going to really hit on is is the book Dark Eon, and we're also going to talk about um, transhumanism in general and how it affects us on a regular basis and how it will affect us going forward. So, um, so that will be an awesome conversation. I'm just pulling this up. So, um, regarding the book, uh, like a thief in the night, artificial intelligence has inserted itself into our lives. It makes important decisions for us every day. Often we barely notice. As Joe Allen writes in his in this groundbreaking book, Transhumanism is the great merger of humankind with the machine AI. This stage in history consists of billions using smartphones. Going forward, we'll be hardwiring our brains to artificial intelligence systems. And um, that reminds me of um, that reminds me of the Borg from the Star Trek uh, Star Trek series. With um, 
with Picard in it. <laughs> and uh, there you go. Now I can see you. So, Joe, um, tell me a little bit more about what what prompted you to write the book Dark Eon. You know, since I was very young, I have had a suspicion of technology as a tool of control. Uh, I can remember as a kid, I was actually thinking about this this morning. As a kid, they had these fake cameras in the detention hall, and we were never sure if they had fixed them. And it was strange. You know, they knew they were fake. We basically knew they were fake, and yet our behavior would change in front of them. And I was always kind of a, a bad kid and I never wanted to get, let go of those behaviors. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I think that, that, uh, those sorts of things as cameras began to be installed everywhere, especially in the wake of nine 11, uh, there was a real sense that the kind of all seeing eye was actually gaining real power. And in the subsequent 22 years in the wake of nine 11, I would say that those surveillance systems, while not perfect and not invincible, have allowed authorities to, in many ways, gut and completely alter the way in which we live our lives. Uh, it's not 100% transformed, but uh, it, we live in a very different world than we did in the mid-90s. And so playing that forward, unless this is it, unless it just stops here, we can assume that the world will continue to change at an increasingly rapid rate and that much or most of that change will be driven by technology. The entire transhumanist movement is based on that idea, and the idea is that these technologies that I'm focusing on, especially so artificial intelligence, robotics, genetic engineering, these technologies will be the central driving force of that change the change will be relentless, and in the same way that human beings today, our lifestyles, even our phenotypic bodies, uh, certainly our brains, very, very different from human beings, say, 2,000 years ago. Very different. Uh, everything we do with the day, the way in which we gain information, uh, what our prime motives are. I mean, of course, the basics are still there. Food, sex, sleep, money. You know, it's not as if we are completely transformed yet. But mm -hmm. there is, you know, it would be completely, the world we live in would be completely unrecognizable to even someone from 200 years ago. So if unless that change stops here, unless this is it, and we're just going to be this, uh, for the next thousand years, then I think people need to brace themselves for the transformations that are coming. And while it's really impossible to know which ones of these technologies will actually succeed, which ones will, will be the most impactful, I think we can get some hints. And I, the best hints that we, we have are people who are both predicting what the future of these technologies will look like but also those who believe these predictions who are actually in the pilot seat, who are able to drive these technologies forward. So what, what camp are you in? Are you in the optimist camp or the pessimist camp? Because it seems like um, whenever, whenever mankind gets a technology, it's, it's, uh, often, it's often a, a story of two extremes, that you have 
a group of people that are always willing to use the, these uh, tools that we have and these tech, this technology that we develop, you know, for good causes, but there's always the opposite end of that spectrum. Are we at a point with our technology advancing to this to this uh, place where we're at, where this is uh, possible, a possible civilization-ending technology if um, those that would do ill with it get a hold of it and uh, and use it as such? You know, I would say that I'm optimistic ultimately about the future just simply because I have faith, but that's not to say that the tangible future will necessarily be all that great in the the next five years, 10 years, 20 years even. And, and it will also be very different for different people. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about the future of these technologies, it sounds like we're saying that everything will be different for every single person in a specific way, right? Uh, AI, the mm -hmm. rise of AI means that literally every human being on earth will have an AI either in their computer or some robot system in their home 24-7 and everything will change for everybody. I, I think it will be very different than that. I think it'll be uh, much like the diffusion of technologies are now uneven. I think that's going to continue. And so um, while hut dwellers even today have smartphones, and that's really significant, uh, when every person on earth has a smartphone, that will have become a ubiquitous technology. But um, as far as the extreme transhuman sort of technology, so that you're talking about radical body alteration, genetic mm -hmm. engineering to uh, you know breed out the cancer mutations or to even halt aging, uh, advanced brain computer interfaces, connecting one's mind to digital networks, should that even be possible? Um, they, it is possible, by the way, just not none of the designs today are commercially viable. Let's put it that way. But. To your question, am I a pessimist or an optimist? I'm very pessimistic about the direction of these technologies. I, I don't think that um, – I think that because of the limitation of their possible uses, the good uses, the supposedly good uses, are going to be um, in, sh in short uh, supply. There's not – take just one, for instance, the brain-computer interface. Uh, the good uses of that, and I think are obvious, is what it's being put forward to now, the people who've actually seen – uh, say, videos or read about the brain-computer interfaces that are used to help people who've been locked in by strokes or paralyzed completely. Mm -hmm. um, it allows them to communicate, and they would never be able to do that without it, or at least there's no known way other than a miracle. And so that is one good use, but as you start moving into any other possible use, right, uh, the uses put forward by, say, Elon Musk, or the CEO of the brain-computer interface company Synchron, Tom Oxley. Um, both of those guys are talking about using it for human enhancement. And I think that, you know, there will be possible benefits to that too should it get off the ground. But in general, linking your brain to a digital network it sounds, like a, it sounds like a nightmare ride to me. And but I don't think it has to even go to that extreme. Let's just say the technology stays as it is right now ubiquitous smartphones, uh, you know, cities that are basically kind of uh, off-kilter uh, electric ant farms. I, I don't think that this is really how human beings are intended to live, uh, although no. a lot of humans adapt well. But I, I think that we've already gone too far. And I think that those who can get out of it are going to be wise. 
And I think that those who stay in it, um, I mean, we'll see. The future is unknown. But I think that the future of urban civilization was is one of increasingly unnatural existence. So I have a picture up on the screen right now of uh, the Borg, Captain Picard with the Borg headgear on. And that's what that's what I think of when I hear you know this this uh, uh, this uh, technology and being implanted into the brain and and um, hardwired into the brain, if you will. But there's always some truth in media, I think. And and looking back, I can just name a couple movies off the top of my head. We had uh, Logan's Run in the '70s, where you had kind of a mix of um, of uh, societal euthanasia once you reach a certain age and then this transhumanism where they were literally sitting down in the movie and they were, they were picking their partners and of course their partners were basically robotic right they weren't so in that in that that there's already development on um on on humanoids on ro robotic uh, you know humanoids for for just the purpose of companionship and even sexually which is you know, which is just kind of mind-boggling why someone would want to do that. But so the other movie is um, they live with uh, Roddy Piper, who was a wrestler. John Carpenter's genius. Yeah, that was that was an amazing movie, and I think that movie is closer to the truth. And I think do you do you think that um, that the that humanity and or that, that I guess the media. In the movies, Hollywood, and the in the mainstream media, do you think that um, that they will eventually, you know, start start to take this issue more seriously and you know really talk about the bad things that could come of it if we're not careful, or do you see them continuing to push the narrative that they're told to push in this particular area? Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I... The, you know, jumping off of the science fiction movies, <clears throat> I'm not a huge science fiction fan, but the ones that I love, I love. And uh, They Live really does capture something. It is just pure magic. Also, the uh, extended fight slash wrestling scene with Rowdy Roddy <laughs> Piper and the uh, black guy. I can't yeah. remember who he is. Also a wrestler, I believe. Also, that was just phenomenal. But um, these movies, you know, you take uh, The Matrix or Terminator or any of these films. and None of them are, you know, 100% accurate as to what the future is going to look like, right? Uh, and you look back at the history of science fiction. Uh, my favorite science fiction movie of all time is probably Metropolis, uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis. It was uh, released in 1927, and I think he nailed it completely. It, it, you know, obviously the special effects aren't up to 21st yeah. century standards, but they're actually really, really good given the time. And uh, even in the the 20s, people had a real sense of what these what mechanical existence would do to human beings. And some were optimistic, others were pessimistic. I think that the artists tend towards pessimism. I think artists are much more sensitive to dehumanization than uh, your average worker. Your average worker is going to be much more thick-skinned, going to be much tougher, and much more mm -hmm. willing to adapt even to his disadvantage. Uh, whereas an artist is going to be, uh, you know, much more sensitive to these things. Anyway, will the media continue to go with the narratives they are or will they wake up to it? Uh, honestly, in the wake of the great AI scare, when chat GPT was thought to be taking over the world, I was fortunate enough to be working on my book. So I didn't have to talk about it a whole lot because the whole thing was very ridiculous. 
um, you know, the idea of chat GPT coming alive and getting you, uh, it really distracts from the, the true impacts of what these technologies do. So the media is either going to carry water for big tech or they're going to also tilt towards the extremes of the AI is going to kill everybody. We need to do something right now. Uh, I don't think that uh, either one of those responses is necessarily going to match with reality one to one. I think that the reality is always going to be between those extremes. Those extremes are good because they keep people thinking. But if you get locked into them, so you're completely complacent, I'm just going to go along for the ride. Everything's fine. Or we're all going to die. Um, getting locked into those, you, you really aren't able to respond uh, effectively to the environment. What I see happening is just a continual expansion of a surveillance state uh, that is increasingly able to manipulate its population so that uh, the artificial intelligence systems that exist right now, whether they're social network analysis systems, whether they're facial recognition systems, uh, whether they're designed to gather data and collect psychological dossiers, all of these AI systems are able to rake over the mass amounts of data coming in from sensors. And it's not perfect, it's not crystalline, but it is getting increasingly excellent. And as they're able to monitor us individually or more importantly as a population to kind of stick a thermometer up the butt of the population and take the temperature to see exactly what's going on, they're also increasingly able to uh, put out propaganda that is tailored specifically to that mental state. Uh, Obama was one of the first real masters of this, just taking the digitally, taking the temperature of the, the room and then being able to uh, respond with exactly what they wanted to hear. And I think that that's really the, the most immediate threat, the combination of surveillance and manipulation. The AI doesn't even have to be all that smart. All you need, and the people behind it, by the way, the people who ultimately are in control of it, the, whether they're um, extremely wealthy or they wield a, a lot of political power or both, uh, the people behind it don't even really have to be all that smart. They just have to be cunning, which is very different than, I think, higher intelligence. And they have to be willing to do things to our minds. It, you don't have to be too cynical to look around and see that people are being driven insane. And so as that happens, as the Covidian cult goes through its uh, fits and spasms, uh, and, and to be honest, too, on, on our side of the aisle, the QAnon cult or the Vaxbot cult, uh, which are kind of overlaying each other, I think that uh, they also represent a degree of detachment from reality that's entirely predicated on digital media. It is uh, just simply being possessed by memes. I don't think that's going to slow down. I don't think that's going to go away. I do think we have to be uh, part of that to some extent if you're going to be relevant in the world that we live in. Obviously, I'm here in this box. But I also think that those people who are able to detach from that system and either maintain the independent existence that, that was never really compromised by it uh, or are able to just simply break away, literally just smash the phone and uh, figure out how to live as a human being again, I think that's going to be necessary uh, for some. Many are not going to do it. If we don't, uh, some version of those dystopian sci-fi films is going to be a reality for some number of people. It already is. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely already is. And, and you know, the, the technology itself is only going to, it, it's almost increasing at, a, at a, an exponential rate. When you look back at the advancement of technology over time, you know, compare the first 
thousands of years to the last 200 and uh, it's just continually accelerating so uh, I need to take a quick break are you okay to stick around for another segment uh, I've actually got to go hit the war room um, oh, they're, okay. they're waiting for me now okay. uh, but well give me a give me a short um, a short a short description of the book and tell me where people can find it definitely want to uh, put that out there for them yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, so just released yesterday officially, uh, Dark Eon Transhumanism and the War Against You. It was, uh, I would love to say it was a labor of love, um, but, you know, only to the extent I love to labor. The, the book really delves into the philosophies behind transhumanism, the technologies behind transhumanism. There may be a couple of fart jokes to keep you moving along so that you're not completely overwhelmed by these high technology dreams but uh, my my hope is that the reader will understand that this is really a religious revolution that uh, as scientism and atheism have wiped away traditional religion something has to fill in that gap and uh, science for the longest time did it pretty well but science is just knowledge about the world or maybe techniques to manipulate the world really it's mm -hmm. technology that offers true power uh, in, in regard to religious ideas, right? So the religions of old talked about people being able to move things at a distance, to communicate telepathically, uh, to see the future, to gain answers from invisible beings. Well, all of that's being done now through technology. So if you're a believer, you understand that this is really an imitation of God. And an imitation of God is otherwise known as an antichrist. Uh, it, for those who are not believers, even then I think that there is a good reason to be worried. If you don't believe there's a God and you live in a world that is completely devoid of divine justice, and the most powerful people on earth are developing and controlling technologies that they believe are making them godlike, uh, then I think that even an atheist should have good reason to be concerned. So the book... I hope can really communicates the, the spiritual nature of this while also grounding in the, the technologies, the real technologies that are being used, being deployed. And uh, also, uh, you know, at the, by, by the end, uh, I hope that the reader is able to formulate some sort of alternative path. I give my version of what I think that'll be, but I, there's so many different types of people in the world. I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their life, just uh, maybe giving pointers from uh, my own naive optimism. Uh, it's also one last thing. It, it's a bit long, some would say. It's 400 pages, but 13 chapters, which you could delve into any given one of them, uh, depending on your interest. Say you're interested in the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset. Say you're interested in artificial intelligence as an existential risk, as an extinction risk. Uh, say you just are interested in the, uh, the beginnings of the movement or the satanic elements. In the movement, uh, all of those are kind of compartmentalized, even as the, the the narrative sweep moves along. So, I hope any reader would just be able to pick it up, flip to what interests them, and then bounce around from there. Although you could go from beginning to end, and uh, I promise you one thing: it's going to be a wild ride. Well, it's already a number one bestseller on Amazon, so congratulations on that. And you had mentioned in another interview uh, where else people could go, and you had a preference. Uh, other than Amazon, what was that? Yeah, so it's right now bookshop.org is where I get uh, my books from. 
And uh, but they are actually sold out now of uh, wow. Dark Eon. Although we'll be shipping it, uh, it was noted, and it will be shipping it ASAP. So it's maybe a little bit longer wait. Also, Barnes and Noble. Uh, also, I believe you can get it directly from Simon and Schuster. Uh, and then, of course, the Amazon Beast. Uh, it's it's a really a double-edged sword there. But um, it is. Yeah. So uh, I, I do hope wherever you get it, I hope you can uh, pick it up. And I hope that uh, again, I, I hope that it clarifies some things as to why this radical transformation is going on. What do they want out of it? What are they looking to accomplish? And also maybe get a sense of the the the, the they right from that they live that the they. Uh, they really are, it's not one they, it's this worse than that. It's uh, just a cultural tendency across the globe. Uh, you, you know, you have a cabal in the, world, in the World Economic Forum, you have a cabal in Silicon Valley, you have a cabal in Oxford, you have a cabal in the CCP, but those are not unified cabals, and even within themselves, mm -hmm. they're constantly competing, uh, which you would think, you know, to some extent that means that they're not invulnerable, but it also means that uh, you could destroy one of them. You could completely remove them from power. That desire to create these technologies in order to gain more and more wealth, more and more social control, more and more political influence, that desire is going to be there. It's not a left-wing thing or a right-wing thing. I wish right. it was. It would be easier to take care of. Uh, mm -hmm. It is just simply human nature, human arrogance, human ambition. Well, you touched on something that, you know, what I say is when you don't believe in a higher power, that vacuum, is, that void is filled by serving yourself. And I think that's where a lot of uh, a lot of the trouble comes in. And we're not a society that has that same foundational uh, faith-based structure anymore, which to me makes these times much more dangerous than, than any time in history. But I'd love to get into it and talk with you about that sometime. But I, I have to tell you, I'm a big fan of yours. And of course, I love Stephen K. Bannon, so I won't hold I won't hold you up anymore. But please consider coming back. I'd love to have you to talk about those aspects of this whole issue as well. I would love to. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye now. Bye bye. It's me, Wayne Alarude, otherwise known as War. I have a very special announcement for all of you. My hit show, Wayne Alarude, Raw and Unfiltered, is coming to the brand new station that's taking over the nation, Blessed News Network. God has opened a door in my life to be part of this amazing new Christian conservative network, live every night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on our channel on Roku TV 
Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and streaming live on the Blessed News iPhone and Android apps. Tune in to watch me drive home the truth and dismantle the fake news narrative with big-name nightly guests and exclusive interviews with all the heavy hitters you know and love. Become part of history as we make America godly again and launch the first faith-centered conservative broadcasting network where Jesus Christ is commander-in-chief of all of our stories and where truth and integrity really matter. Join me Monday through Friday on any of our platforms or on the Blessed News website, blessed.news, where you can stream all the shows for free or you can sign up for Blessed Plus for even more access to Raw and Unfiltered with me, Wayne Allen Root, the hardest working man in show business. Thank you and God bless America. Steel News will be joining the Blessed News Network 11 p.m. weeknights. I'm Ann Vandersteel, and I'm very excited to be a part of the programming put together by Jake Lang. Doesn't matter if he's behind bars. He's a January 6th political hero, as far as I'm concerned. And Steel News will be reporting the truth of everything happening, not only in the swamp, but around the world to help you put into context what's really going on so you can make the best decisions for you and your family. Steel News, 11 p.m. on the Blessed News Network. And we're back. I just want to say that, um, you know, having Joe Allen on was is an honor. I love having people on that um, that really bring intelligence into the conversation because, um, well, because they can do it better than I can. So I enjoyed uh, enjoyed, enjoyed that and hope he comes back. Um, right now, I have Mr. Bud Cornwell, who's in the waiting room, and I'm going to admit him and uh, we'll have a quick chat. Mr. Bud Cornwell is in the room. How are you, Johnny? sir? Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm late. I, I I was waiting for another link you, for whatever reason, but you uh, you um you're not late. I got to change the name on the screen here. Uh, you're not late. I just um I wasn't sure what we were doing there with you know some of the confusion that we've had going back and forth. But I'm glad you're here. Absolutely, it's an honor to have you as always. Honor to be on. So, what's up in in uh, in your life? How's things going with the uh, convention of states? Do you have any more good news for us in that area? Absolutely. We just had the simulation uh, since the last time we talked. Uh, had forty nine states that were there that were represented. Um, it went very well. Uh, we had a mixture of legislators and uh, doctors, lawyers, and so forth, called commissioners. You don't necessarily have to be a legislator to be a commissioner picked by your state to go to this. So we had people representing their representatives that couldn't make it, that kind of thing. And uh, we had three Democrats there. Interesting. So, what they have to say? They enjoyed it. They wow. it opened their eyes, you know, to a whole different point of view. And of course, the reason they were there is to see how this thing was going to be going to go down. And what they found out was it happened exactly like we say it's going to happen. You can't put in, you know, whatever you want, like get rid of the Second Amendment, that kind of stuff, because mm -hmm. it ain't part of this effort. It's not part of the resolutions that were passed by the state in those three three areas that we were talking about. 
So right, last time we were talking about the legislation being, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but but close to the same in every state, and, and uh, only having those three issues. Sort of remind people what they are again. Absolutely, the first one is very simple: term limits. But we're not talking about term limits just for Congress. We're talking about term limits for all elected officials and appointed officials. For instance, like Dr. Fauci, the FBI, the guy in charge of the CIA, the bureaucrats, they Mm -hmm. will also have term limits. And again, all this is determined inside of that convention. They make the determination. For instance, what they came up with was this. For the term limits, as far as the legislation, legislators, they said that they can do a maximum of 18 years, or I mean, a, a, a maximum of 24 years, period. However, you can only do so many years in each one of them. Okay, so you can only do you can only do uh, 12 years in one or the other. That kind of thing. gotcha. Yeah. So gotcha. so that's that's kind of like how the states do it now. Like Alabama's the same way. You can be a in the, a representative for eight years, and you can be a senator for um, 12 years. In other words, two terms. You can do two terms as a senator, and you can do, um, I guess it's uh, four terms as a representative. So that's that's how we want to do the same thing. The second thing is basically a balanced budget agreement. What that means is the government can only create a budget with the money that they they pull in. It has to me, it has to meet. There's a there's a novel thought. Yeah. Here's the neat part about it is the way that these legislators wrote this amendment is the let's say this is 2023. The fiscal year of 2024 starts in October. So the way it's going to work is they have to balance the budget and get that budget on the president's desk by the first Tuesday in February. So a lot of people don't understand that. But if he signs it, it doesn't actually go into effect until October of that of that year. Gotcha. So what's going to happen is the the balance the budget process has to happen the May before the next year. So for instance, this past May, the budget would have been balanced by May. And then that way, if there's any shifting or whatever whatever has to go on, they have time to do it. They don't have to rush through the budget. And then it's delivered February the next year. So so the bottom line is May of 2023 would be the deliverance of the budget or completion of the budget, you know, the spending bills, basically. 
and then it would be submitted in February of the year after for the president to sign, and then October 1st, it would come to effect. So in other words, what we're doing is we're, ma we're making the legislators get away from doing this, signing these spending bills the last second, and or putting us into uh, where the government is either shut down or continuous resolution or whatever is what they call it. So that's that's the second one. The third one is. So just, can I ask a question there? Do, do you are you aware when the last time our budget was actually balanced? No, you, no, you get it. It's going to blow your mind. The last time that we come close to balancing a budget and we had a surplus. That was most important. Is at least we had a surplus was during Bill Clinton days. That's the truth. Interesting. Yeah. Well, give credit where credit's due, right? I mean, absolutely. Well, he, he, believe it or not, he was very fiscal restraining yeah. individual. Well, he had the contract with America, which I think he had a lot to do with it too. But yeah. Um, so what's the third one then? The third one is limiting the power and the scope of the federal government. So for instance, Amen. there's, there's a lot of different things, but here's one that's really neat that they put in there. Um, one of the amendments that falls within that category, per se, is limiting the federal government from taking land. Stopping ah, it. Yes. Period. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that amendment is going to include trying to you know, get back the, the federal lands that they've taken. We're talking about lands that were taken from private citizens that didn't want their land taken. That's different. We're not talking about lands that were put aside as national parks and all that. Um, specifically, water right land was taken by the government in lots of places. So, so that's just an example. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that we need to think about when we're talking about this amendment process is, for instance, any of these departments that were created that are not included in the original constitution should be eliminated. The CIA, the FBI, the education system, all, all of those federal agencies per se that really do more harm than good need to go away. Now that's, again, that's up to the legislators and the commissioners on what, mm -hmm. you know, how far they want to take that. But that's uh, that's the intent of it is to put the government back in the box. Right. I know that um, you know there's all kinds of opinions on what what should be included in in everything. But there's one that I would really love to see eventually, and that is a a, a constitutional requirement that all bills have to be clean. No more. You know, one subject, that's the subject, that's it. You vote pork on the spending. Subject. Yep. Yeah. You don't do the pork barrel spending. You don't, you know, bow down to your lobbyists and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I got one better for you. What's that? <laughs> you get rid of lobbyists. That, you have any idea what that would solve? The many, right. many, many problems that we have today, if you if you could no longer lobby Congress. Yeah, that'd be that'd be terrible, right? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Well, it would be terrible for them because they can't go from making a couple hundred thousand a year to, to a 10, 12 million, you know. Right. 
So. Right. I, I just, uh, yesterday I did an episode uh, called The Most Corrupt LBJ, you know. and I know. I listened uh, to every word of it. It was awesome. Did you? I learned. I never knew that, brother. I thank you so much for doing that. This is awesome. Now, let me ask you this real quick. The guy that, that talked, the, the history doctor professor, didn't you say he was a Marine? Uh, yeah, he was right? both an Army and a Marine veteran. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I listened to him intensely and 18 murders, basically. And I'm just 18 going. 18 murders. What? I mean, I can, I, yeah. I can see one or two kind of, you know, but this guy being involved in 18, you're trying to tell, and, you know, I already knew that he was involved with Kennedy. I don't care what anybody oh, yeah. says. Okay. I knew that for a fact. For years, I knew that. But that's interesting to, I always had an issue with LBJ because of the two reasons. One is because of the tape that he was talking about, what you mentioned, talking about yeah. the black people, right? So I right. knew that. The second one is is I knew he kept this Vietnam War going for the industrial complex. Now, the, the best way to explain this process is like this. I hate to say this, but this is how the industrial complex thinks. And they're right. I'm not disagreeing with what they're saying. As our war capabilities increase, as we get new technology and new things and new ways of destruction, whatever you want to call it, at some point, it's got to go live. It's got to be tested. Mm -hmm. Not just tested in, in a testing environment. It needs to be proven in combat. So how do you do that? You create a war. Now what happens right. is you create this war, all this equipment and personnel go to war, and they start using these, you know, these devices and things that they created. And when they have difficulties and so forth, the industrial complex gets four or five times more money to fix all that and change, make the changes to it. And they did when they originally designed it. A great example is the Humvee up vehicles. You know, when they put the, the big armor and stuff on the side of all these vehicles. Well, they couldn't just put it on the vehicles that were there in combat. They had to create all brand new ones. Right. And Close it was four or five <laughs> times the price. Right. Of what? Close to me. It brought a lot of money into the region I'm at because a lot of those were built in Oshkosh. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to just take a quick break. If you want to hang around, I'll uh, be right back. Okay. Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to Kirk Elliott, Ph.D., dot com slash the patriot review get all kinds of free great information and invest in gold and silver for your future our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them are affecting our bodies our sleep and even our ability to think clearly the advent of 5g is only making this worse there is an answer Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below 
to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a mom from the gym, add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey folks, I just want to tell you if you want to go to Kingdom Fuel or get some Kingdom Fuel, go to Sherwood TV, uh, Sherwood.tv slash TPR. Also, if you want some great MyPillow products, go to MyPillow.com slash TPR or just use the code TPR and you can get your hands on some good deals. So we are back, bud. I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, what the, the veterans viewpoint of artificial intelligence is in the, and, um, you know, what, um, what the concerns are given that mankind seems to have this propensity to want to test out these weapons, as you were just saying. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that believe that the, that the UFOs, the, the, um, whatever calling people have different names for them, but, um, that, uh, the government has reverse engineered, or at least the, that's our technology that's putting out there. And a lot of people are saying, you know, Hey, there's going to be a false flag event. And so what is the viewpoint that you hear from, from veterans and what's your viewpoint on this whole, um, this emergence, this emergence of this very, very uh, substantial technology that's coming. Just like all technology, it's good and bad. Mm -hmm. Depends on how you use it, right? Whether whether right. it's good or not. Um, the military in general must have advantages over your enemy. So AI is going to be and is getting incorporated into military equipment. There's no doubt in my mind. The reason behind that is because the other guys are doing the same thing. It's always a race with who your enemies are. AI, artificial intelligence, allows us to keep an edge or be able to uh, keep up with it. So give you an example. You know what a smart bomb is? A smart bomb is a like laser-guided bomb. Mm -hmm. So the aircraft goes over a building, and it points at a building, and then the, the, the bomb follows where that aircraft is pointing to it and then hits that building. It's not a perfect, guaranteed 100% accuracy. A lot of times, you know, the, the, the rocket goes off and it hits a different place and so forth. Same with drones. This AI thing is going to be different because it's going to be releasing these bombs and missiles and rockets when it says it's time to release it. And it's going to pick where it needs to go. It's just going to be launched. This drone or aircraft is going to be launched and it's going to be like on autopilot. And it's already yeah, doesn't sound good to me. I know it's already inside of its database and stuff. It's, it already knows 
what option targets that it has to choose from. And it's going to make a determination on a lot of things. Like I said, it could be good. What I mean by good is if we're doing and shooting a rocket into a building that we say is a target, what if the military guys just moved out of that building? And then now all of a sudden it's being used to shelter, you know, poor people and stuff. Right. But we got it mm-hmm. listed as a target. And right. that rocket goes down. We just killed a whole bunch of innocent people. Well, AI supposedly is going to be able to check inside that building to make sure the target that we really want to hit is in that building. That's what the AI is going to start doing. It's crazy. Yeah. But that's yeah. how you got to look at it. Yeah. I don't know if I can trust that. That is an actual, actual possibility. But yeah, and you and I are probably on that list. You know, if Obama was was president, he he's he's historically used drones to take out U.S. Yeah. citizens with no due process. Yeah, so uh, especially especially you, I bet you really you're probably right up there on the top of the list. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I hope I'm not, but you know, if yeah. I am, hey, you know, I'm doing God's work. That's all I can do. Is what it is, right? I'm <laughs> just teasing you. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. It's I already got to go. I mean, this stuff uh, we get talking, and the time goes really fast. But I appreciate yeah. your time, and look forward to having you back and talking more about the veterans' viewpoint of things. Yeah, I should be. I should have no top problem getting back with you next week. I'm going to send out an email again to all the other veterans and see if I can get them to start signing up for you. Perfect. Thank you so much. God bless you. We'll talk God bless you, brother. Talk to you later. Right. Yep. Bye bye. So that is 